guests tonight. The host of Pod Strickland. Sensational show. Texas country music star, fabulous Frankie Dick. Hey, I'm your host. Let me. It is 7.01 p.m. Monday, October 3rd, 2022. We are on the eve of Nick's preseason starting. And it uh, was a weird summer to be a Knicks fan, right? <laughs> lots, of, yes. lots of talk, but not that much action. So, yes, a lot of... A lot of fooling around. <laughs> a lot of fooling around. A lot of messing yeah. around. No, <laughs> no, all, I don't know. All yeah, sizzle, no but no steak. Yeah, no consummation. <laughs> it was like the Red Wedding, I guess, where they never got to consummate. That's, uh, that's, that's definitely a comparison. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> so well, we're still alive, though. So we're yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> hey, wait, what, sorry, what was that? I said we're still alive though, so we still have that goal. Yeah, I think so. No one died. Um, yeah, and I mean maybe Donovan Mitchell did some consummating. I guess he probably did. So, yeah, okay. Following all that, like in in just a general sense, what's like your feeling about uh, the state of the team? Uh, I mean, I. I was pretty vocal at the end of last year. I thought that they needed to move on from one of Julius or Tibbs. Mm -hmm. Um, Both being back makes me a little queasy. I don't love Thibodeau for this team. I think he's taken us as far as he can take us, uh, which is he's not a bad coach. He's actually really good at a lot of things, Um, but he's not going to change. He's too rigid. There's just a limit to how far he's going to take you. Um, Now, I think where... I probably have let my feelings about like broader stuff about, you know, where are we headed? What's the ceiling, all that kind of stuff. I think I've let that probably impact um, a little bit too much on how I feel about this year's team. Uh, But I feel, I think this team is pretty good. Like they have, Mm -hmm. like they have at least 11 guys that I think are some probably 12, to be honest, at least uh, who are some type of caliber of, worthwhile rotation player in the NBA. Um, they're deep. They can withstand injuries. The regular season, you're going to have to withstand injuries. I think they're a really good team. I think uh, they upgraded on two of the biggest weaknesses last year, which was starting point guard uh, and then also backup five. Backup five was a big mess last year until the end of the season when Jericho Sim stepped in. But like Nerlens Noel was awful when he played last year. He was hurt all the time. Uh, Taj was maybe he was one year too many for Taj. Um, and Mitch was pretty bad to start the year. He was definitely not in shape. You know, that was a very open secret. And, um, you know, all of those things considered, I don't know what shape Mitch is going to be in, but he was able to be active this off season. He wasn't dealing with a foot injury or anything like that. Uh, and the other part is like, I just fundamentally don't think there's any way Julius Randall can be as bad as he was last year. So mm-hmm. does it annoy me that he's still here? Yes. Um, would I like to have moved on from him? Yes. But, I don't think it's like, I just don't think he's going to be as bad. Um, and I have my own hang hangups with his issues and, and all those things. But, um, you know, again, like he just, he has a pretty long track record in the NBA of not being as bad as he was last year. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt as far as that's concerned. Um, but he's still on the shit list. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I think I think the worst part is just that he's blocking other guys. Like he's he's not a bad player, and like you know he could be better. That's good for this team, of course. Um, 
but it's just like what what is the direction and that's where i worry a little bit about just the franchise overall and i think i'm like you or i'm thinking about not just the ceiling of this team but what the plan is and that's coloring how i view this year yeah it just doesn't feel like it feels like leon's trying to balance too many things Mm -hmm. um like i'm fine with we want to win while we like we don't want to just go full on tank and not even tank because i think it's the wrong word like i think there's this weird connotation that's been happening since last season of like well you know tibbs wants to win so he's not just gonna play the young guys and i'm like are you guys like looking at the fucking data are you like looking at these games because i promise you they would win more fucking games if you played like randall was bad last year anybody will tell you that no even people that believe in julius still can accept he was really bad last year yeah okay so and i think everybody would agree Obi top and whatever your thoughts on are on his ceiling and all that kind of, he was he was a better play much better player last year than he was as a rookie so why was it that when Julius was healthy, he had to play, you know, 35, 36 minutes. And that just limited Obi to whatever, you know, the 12 minutes left over. Like it was, it, it's okay. If Julius doesn't, doesn't have it one night to increase Obi's minutes. The fact that he was never willing to do that was really frustrating. And that's also part of the reason why, like you, it feels like with this coach, there's just a ceiling on how far he can take you and what ceiling, like can't, can you even explore the upside of this team? I don't know because I don't think Tibbs is willing to to do it. I think he has an idea of like, these are my five starters. These are my five bench guys. And these two dudes will be hanging out if there's injury and they can step into the rotation. And like, that's that. He doesn't mix and match. We saw that last year. We've seen that throughout his career. You know, this is not like something that was just a one-off last year. These, these are fundamental things about him. I think we saw it most with Emmanuel quickly where – I don't think he can. He it quickly. It doesn't. It doesn't matter what he does. It does not matter what he does. In Tom Thibodeau's opinion, he is not a point guard, and he is definitely not a starting caliber point guard. So, for example, right last year, there was two games around. I think it was basically it was literally New Year's Eve, and then the next game after that, where uh, we didn't have Derrick Rose or Kemba Walker or Alec Burks. Maybe I'll pull up these games. But effectively, when he had to make a choice of like, it was like, you have to start quickly. What did he do? He didn't start him. He started mm-hmm. Deuce McBride. And Deuce McBride was bad in those games, which I don't even blame him for because like he wasn't playing. And now you're just like, okay, go start NBA minutes now, kid. Like it made no sense. It put him in a bad position. And then because Deuce played badly, it was like, okay, well, you know, he's done for the season until, you know, maybe every now and then in fucking March, we'll give him like 10 minutes, 20 minutes, maybe. But like it, it was just such a. It, but we saw that with quickly. He didn't start him the entire year, even when he was starting Alec Burks. Even when quickly was clearly outplaying Alec Burks, and Alec Burks is not a point guard, right? Right. Even Tom Thibodeau would tell you he's not a point guard. So the fact of the matter is, he doesn't think quickly is a point guard, and that might be fine if like, like in this scenario where you have Jalen Brunson, if if he just wants like, okay, well, if Derek's hurt, quickly can can be the backup point guard, then that's fine. But like, I think it's. Like to me, it's more limiting than that because he fundamentally doesn't even. I don't think he believes he's even worth experimenting with a point guard. And we saw that last year because if there was ever a time to experiment with just giving a young guy point guard minutes and seeing what could happen, that was it because the Knicks were not in the playoff hunt. Like after the after All Star break, it was pretty obvious they were not going to make up the ground. They just weren't going to do it, and it was too big of a gap. Right? They'd already lost out, and we knew. Rose was done at that point. We knew Kemba was never coming back at that point. Um, why would you not try him over Alec Burks? You know, like, I just don't get that. I think it was a terrible decision then. I thought I was saying that in real time then. Uh, I thought people that were making excuses for it or justifying it and trying to talk, oh, Tibbs wants to win. That's all bullshit. Like, yeah, he wants to win. Is that somehow different from, like, other coaches in the NBA? Because last time I checked, every fucking coach in the NBA wants to win basketball games. <laughs> Um, that's not unique to Tom Thibodeau. He might want it more than anybody else, whatever the fuck that means. Um, but like he doesn't if if he wants to win and he's making decisions that don't actually make sense towards that goal, then he's not doing his job well. And I think it's very basic. Like if he wants to be judged on wins and losses, that's fine. Let's judge him on wins and losses. But like like you said, it's all muddled because it feels like, you know, there's this 
there's the stuff of like, we want to win. We want to be competitive, which is fine. But then you also have like, okay, but you have all of these young guys and now you're never giving them really the opportunity to play bigger roles, bigger minutes, because you don't roll the dice and clear spots for them in the rotation and clear minutes for them. Uh, and we're seeing that like, you know, with the Reddish trade, like why did you trade for Cam Reddish if you never had a plan or you haven't had a plan or haven't executed a plan to open up a definite rotation spot for him? You know what I mean? Like as it stands, he's going to get a shot tomorrow, right? First preseason game because Grimes is out. But if everybody was healthy, Cam's not on the rotation. I'm almost positive Cam wouldn't be right. in the rotation. Right. And that's a problem. That's just bad management because if you took a shot on him, I don't think it's a big deal. You traded a protected first for him. I actually like that trade, even though I'm not a huge Cam. I wasn't a huge Cam fan at the time. Obviously, now Cam is the greatest player ever because he's on the Knicks. <laughs> um, but like, it was a good trade from you take a, a risk on a big wing with physical tools, a type of player you just don't have on your roster, and you're hoping that you can unlock something that they couldn't in Atlanta, develop him, unlock it, whatever, however you want to phrase it. That's fine. I like that. And I don't think the asset is a big deal. Like, whatever, it's a protected first. It's fine. You have, you, we have three more of those coming down the line, four more of them, actually. Um, but, like, if you don't ever actually invest into that in terms of giving him minutes on the floor, then what was the point of that? So it just feels like we're trying to balance too many things of, like, there's some people who want to take this, like, development and young guys and like let's just see what they do approach in the organization but then there's obviously also an element of like we want to win games and be competitive and i don't think those things need to be mutually exclusive i I, in fact i don't think they are in this situation but uh there are just like decisions within both of those goals like if you have two goals as an organization um some of the decisions that are being made and some of the kind of like roster log jams and stuff it just feels like you're trying to do too much and not even just necessarily trying to do too much, but trying to balance what is a very, I don't think Tibbs views certain players in the team the way some people in the front office view certain players in the team. I think that's very obvious in the case of some of these young guys in terms of a quickly or an OB or a Grimes uh, even, Um, you know, he, he might like them. I think he does like them, but he doesn't think they're as good as the front office does. And we know this in, in part because the front office was obviously somewhat reluctant to like put all these guys in a Donovan Mitchell trade or something like that. Yeah. And um, the, the cam thing is just, is just mind boggling and so frustrating because if he's on the team and you're not going to play him, then what is the point? You might as well trade him. And he is, as you said, he's a big wing. It's just the hardest skill to find. So you should use the year to see what he's got. And in terms of, um, you know, not sucking while you're rebuilding, I think that's totally fine too in terms of having those two goals. Like, I, I really like the Brunson signing. I love it. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I got around to it because at first I was like in this mindset of like, why don't we just start quickly? Why don't we just start quickly? Yeah. Why don't we just start quickly? But like, he is very good at scoring inside the arc efficiently, which is not something we had last year. He's a really good mid-range scorer, which we definitely didn't have last year. Um, he, he just does things that like we don't have on the roster. And the contract is fine. I don't care about the contract at all. Um, I think the trade to clear the space to get him, I, I still don't understand. Like, there are people now that after the Donovan Mitchell trade were like really upset about it and like, oh, we traded the 11th pick for nothing. And it's like, no, you got three protected first. Like you cleared a bunch of space. You signed Jalen Brunson. You signed Isaiah Arnstein. This all seems objectively good. I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm, you can look through my thousands and thousands of tweets. I have never once, not, not once do I advocate for tanking or losing games on purpose. There's a, like, I don't want that. I don't think you need to do that to be successful in the NBA. Is it harder? Does it make it hard? I, maybe it does, but like, the issue for me is I think these young guys that we have actually can help us win games. So to me, playing them more is not about, I want to tank. I want to, mm-hmm. you know, be in the sweepstakes for Victor Wembenyama. Like, I no, I don't care about that. You know, no, I, I just want us to, to give them a chance because I think you learn more. You want, you're going to, learn more about them which gives you a better idea of like okay what is their ceiling more information right what is their ceiling what is their floor what are their what do we think they can develop into right what do they do in certain situations like we don't know what emmanuel quickly can do 
if you gave him 32 minutes a night for a month as a starter? We have no idea. We have no clue because we never tried it. Okay, We don't know what Obi Toppin looks like if every single game he's playing at least 23 minutes. We have no clue because we never did it. So we and we don't know we don't have enough information on okay how do these how do the how do those two guys play with RJ Barrett how do those two guys with Grimes play with RJ Barrett how do they like we don't have information on any of this stuff because we never we haven't prioritized it for two years and like while I got that in year one because what look if you're winning games you can forgive a lot you know yeah. and we were overachieving relative expectations that was super fun I will never regret that we won a lot of basketball games that year. It was a fun experience, and those guys developed, so I had no problem with that. It was year one of a regime. You're establishing a floor. I'm cool with all that. Last year, I thought was terrible, and I think it was terrible specifically because of Thibodeau's refusal to really adjust anything. I mean, if you look at it the entire season, he made one change. He stopped playing Kemba Walker and started Alec Burks. That was the change. Like, that's it. There was nothing else that happened. Um that was really frustrating and it was awful. Um, and, you know, and I don't want to say we burned a year because we still, you know, look, I think I feel a lot better about Emmanuel quickly after last year than I did even as a rookie. I think Obi Toppin definitely has proven that at the very minimum, he's an effective rotation player. Um, but like, we don't know anything beyond that. And I, I just don't know. I don't think he's a coach who like, like to me, even last year, right. He, we came back, we signed Evan, we signed Kemba, and it was basically the rest of the team was the same, right? There was really no difference. Mm-hmm. He didn't have any inkling of like, okay, RJ Barrett's in year three. I should like, I, I'm going to let him do more stuff. If you look at it, he actually played like at the start of the year before we had that, in, like a bunch of COVID injuries, and he kind of was just like, fuck it, I'm going to jack up a bunch of shots. Um, he was like playing as a spot up off ball guy. He, he, I'm pretty sure his usage was like lower marginally, uh, and he was just doing a lot less on the ball. And that might be okay if you signed like, I don't know, some star level point guard or two guard or whatever. But it was like Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier. What is that doing for you? That's not doing anything yeah. for you. So I just, there's just too much bouncing. And, and, and this is where like it's on the front office at this point because they chose to, Leon chose to keep Thibodeau. We know what Thibodeau is as a coach. There are very defined strengths and weaknesses to what he does. You are now actively choosing in in going into your third year with this roster, which I think is a good roster, not an amazing roster, not a star-studded roster, but a really solid 1-12, to let's say, roster. You are now choosing to stick with this coach who showed you last year very clearly what the limitations are of his approach and that his rigidity will get in the way of really unearthing and trying to explore like what can these young guys do for me because he can't I mean I, I don't know what it was he kept saying he looked at the data I'm telling you the data was not saying to play some of these lineups that he was throwing out there for heavy heavy minutes you know he played Alec Burks more in the month of March than Nikola Jokic played like that's just not smart mm-hmm. from any perspective e- even if you're trying to win games I don't think playing Alec Burks 35 minutes a night is an effective usage of him. It's probably hurting him as a player because he's older and he's had injury issues before. Like, why are you running this guy into the ground? Like, I don't, I don't know. I just, it was a really frustrating year from a lot of perspectives and um, feels like the front office is comfortable with giving another shot. I'm less, more apprehensive about that. I should say. Uh, And look, we'll see what happens. I, I kind of think this roster is almost too good that like, even with Tibbs' issues, like Tibbs' weaknesses will affect this team in very annoying ways, but his strengths will also mean that given a roster of like this many players who are not, who are just good rotation players at the bare minimum, and then some beyond that, whatever, uh, I kind of think this team is just going to be like hovering around 500, mm-hmm. make the play in. And I feel like he, if he does that, that probably he keeps his job. Um, and so again, like some of that's annoying. Cause you're just like, well, he'll keep his job and that's okay. But like, it's not because we're, you know, it just feels like we're not going to really explore the upside of this team. Um, so it is what it is. 
Yeah, and that's, I think, my biggest fear is not Tibbs, but the front office. And the fact that they they knew all this when they hired Tibbs and they've decided to run with Tibbs. So, you know, it doesn't seem like there's, you know, a lot of people write about, like, the friction between a front office trying to do things like in Moneyball with Art Howe and, like, trying to, like, save him from himself. And But it doesn't seem like they're on that page. It seems like, you know, Tibbs is a voice in the room and obviously they like him. The other fear I have is that front offices usually don't get a chance to sign to hire two coaches unless you've had a track record of success. So, you know, I'm worried that they feel like they have to, they have to win with Tibbs. Otherwise that's the end of this front office regime. Who knows if that's the case, but as you said, the team is pretty good. And if they do pretty well, you know, despite Tibbs's flaws, he's going to not only keep his job, but he's going to be able to coach the way he coaches. And like, we're going to see, you know, OB getting 15 minutes, whatever. And we're not going to see the development of this team, but it'll be good enough that like things will seem like they're going. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, it seems to me like the front office feels like they're safe. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. Yeah. At least I, they'll I have the just, option to fire Tibbs. Yeah, I mean, I look, I think it's pretty obvious that the reason Tibbs is still here is Leon. I think most of the rest of the front office, or at least many of the other front office members, the key front office members, were probably the ones, you know, internally expressing uh, that they should move on from Tibbs throughout this back half of last season. Um, so, like, this boils out of Leon, I think, and you're right, like most front offices don't get multiple coaching hires. Uh, so I can kind of understand the political nature of like, we want to keep Tibbs for right now because once you fire a coach and you hire somebody else, then you lose your kind of like, I don't want to say scapegoat because I don't think it'd be scapegoating Tom Thibodeau to, mm-hmm. yeah, I would have fired him at the end of last season. But like, as a front office, now when you fire the coach, you're effectively signaling to the owner, which in this case is James Dolan, and to the fan base that like we, we think the roster we put together is better than what the coach was getting out of it. And whoever the handpicked next guy we get, he's gonna show you. You know, he's gonna show you exactly how good this roster is. But if that's not the case, mm-hmm. then then it's on you, and that's when you get fired. So I'm not saying like, personally, I think if you already feel he's not the guy and, you know, Leon clearly feels differently, but if they come to the conclusion he's not the guy, then it shouldn't matter when you come to that decision, but you should move on from that person. Um, But again, Leon doesn't think that's the case. You know, that's the only conclusion I can take from it. And maybe he needs more information. Maybe he just flat out you know, maybe we don't know everything that is going on in the organization. He just, he's like, nope, you guys don't see the full picture. Tibbs is great, wonderful. Maybe that's true. I don't know. But, um, you know, I just, yeah, like it, it just feels like that's what it is. You know, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't get the sense that they're worried too much about their job security, though. Like, I, I think, you know, they've been pretty close to the vest. The first year you get to the playoffs on a shoestring budget, like, that probably buys you a lot of leeway with James Dolan to a certain degree. Uh, you know, they have definitely done a good job in terms of building out your asset base. Um, and again, like if you look at the roster today, just in terms of pure talent versus what it was two, three years ago, like it, it looks and feels like, okay, you know, there's something here that's the foundation for right now and maybe for two, three, four years from now. Um, that wasn't the case then, right? You were kind of just building, you know, it was very much built from scratch, but, um, you know, even the guys like they invested in this offseason, the reason I think it was good is like Jalen Brunson's 26, you know, he's got plenty of years left in him. Isaiah Hartenstein's 24. He's super young. He's younger than Obi, I want to say maybe. Um, so like, these are the type of reagents that you kind of like, I think any team should be happy to sign players like that. Uh, which is why, like, again, going back to the tanking stuff, like, I don't care if Jalen Brunson is not, like, oh, like, 
you know, we're chasing wins. Like, no, you're just chasing a good point guard. Mm-hmm. And like a good point guard helps develop your other players. You know, it, it's, I, I would never turn my nose down at that. I think that's been like, that would be a stupid reason not to sign him. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm happy again with the moves they made. I just feel like they needed to do a little bit more to ease the log jam on the roster. Yeah. Um, you know, even if you weren't going to be able to trade Randall, it just feels like Rose shouldn't be here, to be completely honest. Like, I don't think Derek Rose should be here. Because if you take Derek Rose out of the lineup, even with Evan Fournier starting or being in the rotation, there are minutes for Cam right then. Like, right there, you open up minutes for Cam. And I don't personally think that it hurts you too much on the floor because, one, Derek Rose is not going to play fucking 82 games, right? You might, you're lucky if he's going to play 50. So, like, I don't think it hurts you too much from that sense. And I just think Jalen Brunson was signed to be the starting point guard. He's been durable throughout his career. He's going to play a lot of minutes. Emmanuel quickly has been durable throughout his two years in the NBA. He's been really good in his two years in the NBA. I think you had enough of point guard. You know, you had enough creation. Um, if you wanted to add a vet just to kind of stabilize things, you can always go out and find guys like that, you know. Mm-hmm. But again, like, I just, we'll see. It just feels like one player too many um, yeah. in some ways. And, that's kind of frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. And especially, you know, with Cam, it's just like, what are you doing if he's not going to play? Yeah. Like if you don't think like, it's fine for me. If Tibbs has just looked at him and he's like, I don't really like him. I don't think that's unreasonable. Like Cam, some of his underlying data is like not very promising. Uh, You're making very much like a physical tools bet, right? With Cam. So like, I think it's reasonable to come to the conclusion that he's not worth investing in. But once you've made the investment, then I don't really understand it. And like, if Tibbs can't get on board, that's on you as a front office to handle that. Mm-hmm. You got with a through a conversation with Tibbs, or you're like, hey Tibbs, if you don't get on board with this, like you're fucking out. And if you can't do that, you know, then I don't know. Um, yeah. But they should definitely say you're fucking out, like Kenny Powers. <laughs> I I also I can't get a read on what the office thing the front office or at least Leon thinks about Julius Randle like I'm sure there are voices in the front office that are exploring a trade think they should move on from him but I also I don't know the fact that when they did that like they sensed that entourage to the Dallas Utah game I mean the fact that like Julius Randle was there with Worldwide West and Allen Houston I mean, that to me says they still think of him as a part of the team going forward. And um, which I guess is fine, but um, worries me a little bit that they're not that the reason he's still on the team is not just that they couldn't find a good trade and they're trying to raise his value. Yeah, I mean, I think they were definitely trying to move him. Um, I don't really put too much into Mm -hmm. the public (laughs) showing thing, whatever. Like if anything, you know, in some ways you could argue that like, being seen with him in public is a way to like not give off the sense that you're desperate to move off him. But yeah. let's be real. There were reports over the summer from like the Lakers, like Lakers beat reporters of just randomly. It was like in some articles, some people, I think the guy, the guy for the athletic, uh, Jovan Buha, he, he had something like, Oh, the Lakers have no interest in Julius Randall. And then there was another report of like the Knicks have been showing no willingness to attach draft compensation to move Julius Randall, which to me all sounds like they were, quietly either shopping him or sensing what the market was on him, testing the market on him. And um, they didn't like what they were being told for the prices or they couldn't find somebody that was interested in him. And that's what I think it is, which is again, like we all watched him last year. There's a reason why like 85% of Knicks fans are like, please, please trade this guy. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not because he was awesome, right? He was really annoying to watch. He was super bad just in terms of decision making play style his effort was terrible his leadership was terrible um so i I don't think that it's that they don't want to trade him or that they wouldn't trade him but i do think there's some issues with uh how to do that exactly yeah there's there's so much there's a wide range of outcomes for this season um but i do think there's a chance it gets really bad in terms of the fan the relationship between the fans and the team and just booing tibbs booing Randall, which as much as I hate Randall, I hate seeing that because it's it's not his fault. It's not his fault. He sucks. Um, but it's, I think there, we're going to see we want Obi Chance right away if he's not performing. And that, that could get ugly. Yeah, I mean, that's the 
the one thing I am worried about uh, with with this season, and I I think like this concern of mine. You look, you have four months in the offseason. It felt like the Knicks were never out of the news because you had this whole fucking Donovan mm-hmm. Mitchell thing going on. A trade that I never even wanted them to make, so I was happy they didn't make it. Um, like you think about this so much, you kind of like become consumed by an idea. It's like an inception, right? Where I'm like thinking about this one thing so constantly, it's driving me crazy, and I forget I'm in the real world or something. Um, but like, that's the one scenario where I do see this team like, I don't want to say this like completely falling apart, but like really you know, getting like seven, eight, nine, ten 10 games under 500 or something like that, where all of a sudden now you're like, it feels really bad uh, is like, yeah, Julius doesn't get off to a great start. And now the crowd is on him. Um, some of these vets like Fournier, that starting lineup, you know, Grimes or not Grimes, uh, Fournier, Brunson, whatever, like they're getting lit up on defense and they don't score well enough to offset that. And then like, Meanwhile, you have like, you know, it feels like Rose is getting more minutes than quickly and Grimes and, you know, those guys are producing, but they're not getting their minutes increased or their role increased because Tibbs doesn't adjust. And it's like, if some of those things happen and you don't win games, that's where I could start seeing like, like, especially with guys like quickly and Obi, they're in year three. So at the end of this year, they would be extension eligible. Like, It's, it's like that they, you know, they would see that and they would be upset and that could lead to internal discord because maybe they're like, look, man, I'm fucking out playing Derek Rose. I understand he's Derek Rose. He's on MVP, but like, he's not that guy anymore. And I'm up, out playing him. Why am I not getting more minutes? If Obi's playing really well, but Julius still gets, you know, 30, 32 minutes a game, no matter what over him, you know, maybe he's like, Hey, what am I still doing here? You guys have no plans to play me more get me out and you know those are the those are the two guys that really worry me but like you can even apply that to grimes right you can apply that to fucking reddish for sure mm. the reddish plays well like let's say the reddish plays really well in preseason and grimes gets healthy and the, as soon as grimes is healthy he's out of the rotation again like those are the things that can hurt your internal team dynamics and i just worry about that and i think to some degree i've fixated on that bit too much which is why, like, that's probably the worst case scenario for this season. But the most likely scenarios, I think, are all still like a 500 ish team or even better than that. Yeah, that sounds right. The only good thing about that worst case scenario, which is definitely a possibility, the silver lining is it would force the front office to do something. And probably that something is firing tips. And then at least, I think from that point on, we'd see the young guys. And I don't even say like, that's great because then we get a great draft pick, but it's just that we'll get to develop these young guys and see what they are. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely the thing. Um, I, uh, yeah, I, I just, look, I, I've talked about this so much. It just feels like, it's, yeah, I just don't know. Like I, I kind of just want the season to start at this point because mm-hmm. I just want to see these guys play ball. Uh, I think this is a good team. I think even with my hang hang ups with Tibbs, this is still a roster that can do some things. Uh, and look, like if these young guys, like if RJ and Quickly and Obi and Grimes, if those guys jump or they progress a little bit more, uh, take another step in their in their development, like there's a chance this team could be really, really. Um, Really solid. <laughs> yeah, like I think they could surprise a lot of teams. Yeah. So um I just yeah, I, I, I just want to see them play because I think this team could be really they could surprise a lot of teams, man. Like, look, this team went thirty seven and forty five last year. They had a point differential of a forty one forty one team, basically. They were basically a net neutral team. I think Mo, I think it's most fans could at least accept this very baseline criticism of Tibbs. I know like the army of Tibbs fans will be like, no, he's perfect. He fucking knew exactly what he was doing to develop all these players. I think it's safe to say at the bare minimum, he didn't completely optimize what was available to him last year. Okay, I don't mm-hmm. think I'm saying anything earth shattering saying that. Um, and 
like two of our biggest holes are players who I personally think, you know, Brunson and Isaiah Arnstein, I would be honestly shocked if they're not significant upgrades over what we had in those positions, which is not a knock on Alec Burks, who I like, uh, but was just miscast. It is a knock on Kemba Walker, who I care about much less. Um, I hope he's smiling, doing nothing in Detroit. Uh, but like, I just, you know, I, I think this team could be really good if, if that happens. Like, I mean, the Eastern conference is a slog, right? There's about, 10 teams, 11 teams in there trying to compete for the play-in that reasonably have a chance. I think Detroit, I'm not as bullish on like what they're going to do this year, but they're also not going to be a fun team to play. And they're not going to try to, they're not tanking, you know, they're not trying to lose games. Like, you know, you don't trade for Boyan Bogdanovich because you're trying to lose games. So um, like, this is a tough Eastern conference. The fact that the Knicks have all this depth, they can withstand injuries better than a lot of teams. uh, And, I kind of just wonder if we're sleeping on like what the top end outcome for this team is in some scenarios. Like if that, if the starting lineup this year is just closer to like a slight, if it's just a slight positive, not even like an amazing start, but just a slight positive starting lineup, the bench is going to be awesome. The bench is going to be awesome. Like they can win a lot of games like that. And, um, you know, like there are teams that have more star power in the East for sure a lot even, but like, I don't think those teams have the depth the Knicks have the quality depth the Knicks have. And um, again, like I don't necessarily need to like Julius, but like, he's just not going to be as bad as he was last year. You know, if he's just like a neutral player, even like, like that changes everything that changes so much about this team. So, you know, I'm at the point where it's just like enough, you know, whatever i'm enough I've, hemming and hawing about like yeah i, I yeah I, i've said everything i needed to say about tibbs and my issues with him but like let's just see what he does with this team because it will be very self-evident if he's doing a good job or not yeah for sure all right so let's move from this current crop of nicks to a former beloved nick in frank Milikina. <laughs> and to help us do that i'm gonna yeah bring in a uh a musician who's also a big fan of Frank, uh, our good friend Frankie Dip. Frankie, what's happening? Oh, hello, Larry. <laughs> oh, my God. You look... I love the hat, by the way. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you know, now year two in Dallas, it's time to invest in a little wardrobe. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, so, I mean, how was the summer for you in Dallas? Because last time we talked, it was right before... Uh, the FIBA Euro Cup was starting, and it was unfortunate that Frank mm. had an injury, but you said he was probably faking it to hang out in Dallas a little bit. Oh, yeah. He's hanging out in Dallas. It's a beautiful time to be in Dallas. It's finally cool enough. The fish don't cook the second you put them down on the sidewalk. You can really dig in and have a nice seafood buffet here now. Yeah, <laughs> on the sidewalk seafood buffet. Sounds mm. delicious. Oh, Larry, you know, I keep inviting you down here to have some ground trout with me. (laughs) Once you try it, I don't think you'll be having anything else. Well, I promise uh, this year I'll try. I'll really try to make it down to Dallas for some ground trout. Okay, Um, good. So, yeah, I mean, whether it's life or basketball, this is I, I think this is a big year for Frank. Um, he's, he's still young as, as everybody loves to say, and he hasn't, he's like been short of opportunities, but this year he does have an opportunity. Um, but there are guys he's fighting with and he's got to beat them out. And, um, so it's an opportunity to really prove himself, but if he doesn't, it's back to like kind of toiling in obscurity. Um, I mean, what do you think if, if you talk to, Nilakina at all about like how he's treating this year if he thinks it's a make or break year oh I've never seen him more focused he's pulling up to the arena in his Vespa five six in the morning I'm hardly done yowling on top of the dumpsters I see this guy pulling up into the arena <laughs> that's pretty good to hear in the dumpsters kind of like Heathcliff 
Yeah, just a little bit like Heathcliff, but not too much. I don't want anyone drawing any obscene pictures of me for the newspaper. (laughs) I never thought about it. Heathcliff is naked in all those photos. You're damn right he is. I just got some clothes. I don't need anyone to know the way I used to live my life. (laughs) That's right. You just got that cute hat. So, uh, Schwinn, I mean, what do you, it's, do you agree that this is like a really big year for Frank? Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, I think all the noise out of Dallas is that he's going to get a real shot at the backup point guard role. Um, I actually think he can play backup point guard. He is definitely not the most skilled ball handler. Um, but his third year in New York, that was the first time. I mean, really, if you look at his entire time in New York, Every time he was like kind of just great lineups tended to do pretty well. I know I'm not saying, trust me, I'm not saying that he was like perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, and I certainly like projected a lot of what I wanted him to be <laughs> odd to him in his favor. But like I genuinely thought his last, his third year, probably like two months or like a month stretch. I thought he was playing really well. He was the backup point guard that was his like you know he ran the second unit kind of deal you know he had some actually like solid games but like he's not been able to do that consistently obviously the shooting is very much hit or miss Mm -hmm. and uh he just struggles with offensive aggression a lot of times so like this feels like hey if you're ever gonna do it this is probably the best chance you're gonna have but we'll see. I mean, I just think that's a good fit, though, for him in general being in Dallas because he makes sense next to somebody like Luca, where it's like you don't have to worry so much about creation. You can just be like an off-ball guy uh, um, and work on shooting your threes, defend your ass off, and go from there. Like that was always something that was appealing to me about picking him is that uh, <clears throat> um, that he had like multiple possible outcomes. Obviously, the point guard outcome hasn't happened, but like. He's a big dude. He's a wing, basically. Like he mm-hmm. can defend multiple positions. Theoretically, the shot. It's so. It's obvious. It's honestly so weird to me that he it's... hasn't shot better because the shot looks fine. Like it looks good. Um, but like, look. I mean, last. Look, if you just look at his numbers, last over the last three years, he's you know he's shot okay from three. He shot uh, okay this past year. I mean, he was great in his. Uh, yeah, I guess his fourth year when he shot like forty something percent from three. The... Yeah, I mean, he he shot like he's thirty five and a half percent over the last three years, mm-hmm. um, and then in the playoffs last year he shot thirty percent from three. Like, look, these are not massive samples. He's never going to be some sniper, but like, if he can just get to around 35 percent consistently oh, yeah. on that team, he's good value for them. Um, I'm I'm excited to see him play. Obviously, I'm always excited to 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 continue my Frank Nilakina standum. Um, but like, you know, it's He's he's got a great opportunity right now. He's gonna be he's 24 years old. He's still got a lot of career ahead of him. Um, this just feels like a really nice opportunity for him, given the fact that Brunson has left. They mm-hmm. kind of have a spot in the rotation opening up for him. And you know, with Luca, with Dinwiddie, he shouldn't have to shoulder the offensive burden ever, but like it also gives him the opportunity to play off those guys a little bit. And maybe, and that's always something that um, you've kind of hoped and we've seen at times that he can benefit from. Yeah. I think the things you mentioned is particularly the offensive aggression or the lack thereof. And some of that comes from, I think just some is circumstantial and I've made excuses for him for years of like, just, he doesn't get the playing time, so he can't build the continuity and the confidence that comes with just the, the, the just like being relaxed and being and like loosening up and just being in that and not having to look over his shoulder. So he's got to he's got to be able to shoot, um, not just shoot a lot, not just hit shots, but just not be afraid to take shots. And we see that at times. And I think that would come if he's, if he's able to kind of relax into his position, but he's does, he doesn't have that opportunity. And some guys just take, you know, will get a short opportunity and just like grab the bull by the horns. And he hasn't done that. And this is kind of the year he's got to, he's got to put up or shut up a little bit. But I think 
I think if he's given that opportunity, he's a good enough shooter where he's a great addition to their team. And, um, yeah, it's just a matter of, like, he's, I guess, going up guys like uh, Josh Green, who's, who's, like, whatever. I don't know. Frankie, what do you think about Josh Green? Um, Josh Green can suck my big hairy tail. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, what about um, Davis Bertans, if he's kind of a wing? What could Davis Bertans do? Um, you know, Davis Bertans needs a little more time on the bench. Davis Bertans has got some good tasty meats in his pocket. <laughs> and sometimes he'll slip me one when he's going into the arena. That's actually so, uh, that's surprising. So he's actually like you probably like him. I like him, but when he's on the bench, he's throwing meat into the crowd. And when he's on the court, he can't. <laughs> I can kind of see that actually. Um, but what about the? What do you think about Frank's aggression? Is he? Is he? Does he seem more aggressive? Does he seem more confident in himself these days? I hope. I think he's always been confident in himself. He's just afraid of hurting anyone else's feelings by being so much better than them and more handsome than them. Yeah, and more handsome. You know, he's just like he's worried if it seems like he has it all, someone else is just gonna give up. Yeah, I could see that. He does defer. He does defer, which is mm-hmm. like you know he's not that type A personality, but he's got grade A meat, right? He's got great A meat. The whole seat of his Vespa is full of little pieces of salmon. That's so nice. Um, yeah. Um, uh, Schwinn, where do you think he like fits in, but like in relation to Josh Green or um, I guess Jaden Hardy is probably going to be competing for a spot. Um, uh, I mean, they're pretty flexible. Like yeah. they clearly do this five out like that's their identity now um you know if he could shoot i think he's gonna get playing time yeah that's what it is it's like if he just shoots fine he'll play and i think even if he doesn't shoot great like he's he was really good for them defensively in the playoffs last year he came in against phoenix and really uh held down booker for a couple of key stretches that series so um yeah i mean i think he's gonna play I, i mean he Look again. He's got to stay healthy. He's got to knock down some shots. But if he can do that, he's there's a there's definitely minutes for him in that in that rotation. Yeah, for sure. And um, yeah, and fuck Tim Hardaway Jr., who we didn't even mention. <laughs> Frankie, any thoughts on Tim Hardaway Jr. THJ? Mm, not a. Not an easy way for me to get along with that guy. He's always got dogs in the back of his truck. <laughs> yeah, I guess they're always bark- they're barking at you, yeah. trying to chase you out of town. It's true. It's mm-hmm. a dog-eat-cat town, but it's also a cat-eat-fish town, which is why I love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you have a, Schwinn, do you have a baseball team? Uh, I'm a Yankees fan, but I don't, like, watch baseball, really. Got it. Um, what about you? Are you a Mets fan? Um, sort of, but I also like the Padres. Um, so, um, and they might be playing each other, but I, I, I find myself in baseball. I kind of float depending on like what's kind of going on in the last few years. Now I'm right rooting for the Padres. Uh, Frankie, how about you? Oh, how about me? Yeah. Gotta be the Padres. Gotta Best be. seafood tacos in America. <laughs> That's a good point. Where'd you get that outfit, by the way? Oh, uh, Mark Cuban bought it for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's awfully nice of him, actually. Mm. Yeah, you know, I went on Shark Tank. He didn't invest in my business, but he did buy me a little hat. So what was your business? My singing career. Oh yeah, did you play anything for him on Shark Tank? Yeah, I worked. I showed him some of the new stuff. Yeah, what what is that? You want to play something for us? Sure. I guess I've been sort of learning about country music since I moved down here, and I yeah. got inspired by some of the the classics. Yeah. Um. Okay. Let me just grab my guitar and hold it just below screen. <laughs> 
Frankie, 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 Frankie. Please give me a little piece of sardine. <laughs> <laughs> I love your development. Like you, <laughs> you, you really have moved from jazz to country. So, Schwinn, if you're not familiar with uh, the lore of this show, there, there was a jazz musician named Frankie Smokes who lived in New York while Frank Nilakina was here. He was oh, on the wow. show talking about his jazz career. And then uh, he just so happened to move to Dallas the same time that Nilakina did and no longer was Frankie Smokes, now Frankie Dip. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and you used to just be relying on that saxophone, but now you're, you're kind of, you're wailing. I, I like that country, like almost yodeling-ness. It sounds like you're, <laughs> you're wailing on a dumpster. Oh, yeah. I've really been studying the art form. And most of country <laughs> music sounds like you're wailing on a dumpster. <laughs> yeah, well, you're doing a great job of it. Oh, thank you. Um, Schwinn, anything you'd like to plug before we get out of here? Uh, no, I mean, look, just uh, check out the pod, Pod Strickland, if you're a Knicks fan. Uh, that comes out twice a week. Uh, one of the episodes is half of it is usually Patreon, but one is completely free. Uh, and uh, check out the website. We have a lot of great articles, a lot of great writers, and um, check out the merchandise. Oh, merchandise. wow. Is that for uh, sale on the site, that Frank shirt? I think there's a little bit left. Yeah, I think oh, so. It was, okay. our, it was like our first item drop, one of our first item drops, so there might still be some vestiges left on the site, um, but there's a lot of good stuff on there, so definitely check all that out. Yeah, any cat size merchandise? <laughs> no, but I'll... I'll uh, I'll yeah, suggest that. Pass that I'll along to your editor-in-chief. <laughs> <laughs> I will. Uh, Frankie, anything you'd like to plug? Um, yeah, I'd like to plug leaving little pieces of fish in the parking lot in Dallas's uh, festival <laughs> arena <laughs> and uh, the armorycomedy.com, which is in New York City. I haven't been in a long time, yeah. but I hear they're still doing fun shows there. Uh, Friday nights are improv and some Wednesdays sketch. So go see that uh, and leave a little piece of fish on the floor for me. Yeah, in case you come back and tell them, <laughs> tell them Frankie sent you. Yeah, do tell them that. All right. Well, I, of course, am at Larry the Athlete on all social media. And you can subscribe to Larry No Sports wherever you get your podcasts. May all your dreams be hoop dreams, and may the rest of your days be days of thunder. Uh-huh.